Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. My name is Anna Suri, and she is an intuitive eating and body positive image coach, or positive body image coach, I guess would be the way of saying it. And she is just an awesome woman who we're having an in-depth conversation about how to reshape our minds around food, um, looking at how so many of us have grown up in cultures with different ideals of what it means to be beautiful, to have a healthy body, to have a body that we want, and how most of us really struggle with um, how we look. And let's just be honest about that. Um, I know it's not... um, It's not something we go around talk about a lot. It's something that we're not supposed to talk about a lot. It's something we're supposed to just feel like, oh, I love myself and I love my body. But the truth is, is, you know, most of us look in the mirror and think, oh, I'm looking old or I wish I could lose 10 pounds or, you know, why does my nose look this way? Or I want thinner thighs. I wish I had that space between my thighs like those other girls and my thighs didn't rub together when I walk. I mean, we all have these thoughts every day. And a lot of these thoughts are quite abusive to ourselves in many ways. And um, you'll hear Anna give this beautiful example that um, it's like having a friend call you up every day and just kind of say, oh, you know, I wish you looked different. Like, you'd be so much better if you looked different. You'd be so much better if your thighs didn't rub together when you walked. You'd be so much better if, you know, you were skinnier and, you know, had bigger muscles or, you know, looked more in shape or you were younger. Like, why can't you look like you did 20 years ago? I mean, that's not a very nice friend, right? And yet we do this to ourselves daily, often multiple times a day. And we... um you know, we have to live with that. And then all of a sudden, we enter into maybe a more conscious state of of mind, a more present state where we're trying to rebuild the relationship we have to ourselves and to our bodies. And it takes a lot more than just thinking like you can change that overnight, because it's a lifelong habit. And so rewiring, reestablishing a new pattern, a new connection, a new place where we're truly loving and accepting ourselves or where we're truly feeling grateful for our bodies, for our health, um, where we can truly enjoy food without guilt or without counting calories or without feeling like, you know, this is the last time I'm going to eat ice cream, so I'm going to eat it all now or feeling like we're we're sneaking, you know, a piece of chocolate or all of these different connections we have, emotional connections we have to food and places that our unconscious hangs out when we think about food and diet and how it relates to our health, not just on a physical level, but on a mental and emotional level, on a spiritual level. Um, it's a really important conversation that we're having. So I hope that you find it beneficial and enriching to you and that it's something um, you can learn from and also find some helpful ways of re-looking uh, at or re-inventing um, your relationship with food, reprogramming your mind around food and or just creating even more awareness around your associations and habits uh, when it comes to eating or feeling um, emotional around different food items or feeling stressed and what kind of foods you reach for. You know, all these different habits that we have, food is very, very much related to our emotional centers um, and to our nervous system and uh, to also how we feel about ourselves. So that mind-body connection is really, really important. And uh, we're talking all about it here as it relates to a really practical thing that we do every single day, which is feed ourselves, feed ourselves mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. So I can't wait to dive into this episode with you and let's just get started. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Harmony, and I'm here with Russell Case. You know, I, I just came back from the Barbie film, Harmony. Again? Guys, 13th times. 
Yeah, you loved it. Really that much. like it a uh-huh. lot. It's really good. Yeah, what'd you notice? Uh, this time, <laughs> this time I um, I noticed that there there's you know that scene where um, uh, what's his name? Everyone, the guy everyone likes, Ryan Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. He went back and he went back into the other room and he found out that Barbie wanted to date him again. Yeah. And he screamed something and it was like, um, what are these screaming? Like splendid? He screamed something really <laughs> weird. Um, superlative. I don't know. I forget. Maybe our listeners could write in and tell us what he said. But I understand that he 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 improvised the entire scene on the spot. No one knew what he was about to do. A lot of the stuff was improvised oh, from him. Yeah. Yeah. He had people just rolling in stitches. He's Ken enough. Ken enough. I want to be Ken enough. Yeah. I've I know. asked. I've asked for that sweater for Christmas. <laughs> well, we have a wonderful guest with us today. She is an intuitive eating and positive body image coach. Are you going to help me be Ken enough? Yeah. <laughs> She's going to help you become Ken enough. Oh, that'd be amazing. Can we work this out? We can today. go there. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. So I'm 48 and nothing's working. My diet, my exercise. I've got a tire around my belly. I've got cellulite everywhere. And I'm frustrated. I don't know what to do. I think it's too late for you by the sounds of it. <laughs> right? Sorry. All right. Well, Harmony, over to you. Do you have anything you problem. want to work on as it's too late for me? What do you have to work on today? Well, I think there's a lot of things we could get into here with Anna. Anna Surrey, yes? Correct. Yes. Where were you born, Anna? Where's your accent? I was actually, She's- well, it's a bit of a mix. I mean, it's not a mix in terms of where I'm from. I'm 100% German. I was born and grew up in Germany. And I. Oh, Bavarian. Moved- no, Northern Germany. <laughs> what does Bavarian actually mean? That's Southern Germany. It's, it's, it is? It's, it's, a, it's oh. a sort of a county in the south of Germany. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh. So Munich. So Bavarian. Bavarian auto works only applies to like one part. Yeah. The BMW Correct. just comes from the south. Correct. Weird. Right. Yeah. Whereas the VWs come from the north near where I'm. <gasps> oh. Oh, cool. The people's, the people's automobile. Yeah. Right. Yes. The people's wagon. <laughs> My father was stationed there in Germany. So he was, Yeah. Before yeah. he uh, impregnated my mother in Portugal. In Portugal. We were talking right. about that yeah, before yeah. we got on the show. Uh, international. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. International yeah. connections. Sure. It's good stuff. <laughs> Where were you in, in? I think it's all Canada for me. All Canada for Real you? Real boring. Just plain, plain old Canadian. Your parents were probably camping though, right? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I'm sure you can find out <laughs> if I wanted to. I, I doubt either one of them remembers at this point, to be honest. Oh, they my goodness. Long past that memory. <laughs> wow. What? Um, so you grew up in Germany. I grew up, and then, yes, right. Yeah, and then, and then I, moved, I, moved, I moved to Australia <sighs> at age 19. And I spent 20 oh. years in Australia. Hence there the is a touch. There's a touch yes. of that. Yes. Yeah, no, it's hard to hide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's so funny because I moved back to Europe about a year ago to Portugal. And um, now I'm so aware of my accent because it really stands out, you know, because yeah. there aren't many Australians. It's so funny. You, you know, be, you become very aware of your voice and yeah. mm. uh, in, you know, amongst other people. Yeah, it's just yeah. something that I've noticed. Yeah, mm. yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Yeah, it's and it's a blend. I, that's why I asked because I was like, "Huh, it's an interesting blend." I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. And so, how did you like? What brought you in? And maybe you can share a little bit of your story of how you entered into becoming this intuitive eating and sure. body positive coach. It sounds yeah. Really- yeah, like you have a lot yeah. of personal experience, maybe Definitely. a lot of personal suffering. <laughs> Absolutely, a lot of suffering. And I think, I mean, for most of us, right, a lot of us come to yeah. our work through our own personal experience with yeah. whatever the topic is. And generally we have a healing experience or a breakthrough or a transformation and then we are so transformed by that and so moved by that and we 
experience the impact that change has that we then feel inspired to support others so for me it was you know eating disorders as a teenager which then spanned out about 20 years of my life that was anything from anorexia to binge eating disorder to orthorexia so being really obsessed with healthy eating Mm -hmm. body dysmorphia I was working as a Pilates teacher for a very long time so I was very much entrenched in the fitness industry Mm -hmm. I also owned a health food business for a few years. So I was entrenched in the health and wellness industry, all of which really just made everything worse for me in terms of eating disorder and body image. So it just kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, dialed it right up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd love to like explore that a little bit with you because I think a lot of our listeners, probably all of them, are involved with like health and wellness in some way. Orthorexia. Yeah. Yoga teachers, yoga practitioners. And I think there is a tendency to kind of this, you know, orthorexia, like eliminating entire food groups or, you know, getting obsessed with like um, what we would call in, you know, sort of the yoga community, like sattvic diet, you know, so you're eating like fresh and organic and raw and like it creates a feeling of lightness and, you know, you're eliminating nightshades and you're eliminating maybe garlic and onions and you're not drinking alcohol and you're, you know, you're that's getting what, kind of. That's what you were like when I met, first <laughs> met you like 14 years ago. That's that, that, I, that typifies you. Yeah. I mean, your story is inter- is very similar to mine, like growing up with eating disorders and then you know, that feeling like entering into yoga and having that really heal a lot of, um, you know, the bulimia and the anorexia to a certain point, but then also becoming quite um, restrictive still in times of eating, what I was eating, fasting, all of, you know, those kinds of practices in the name of spirituality and health and wellness. It's under the guise of spirituality and health and wellness. Yeah. That's right. It wears many cloaks, you know. Yeah. It's been hijacked by pretty much, yeah, spirituality, the yoga community, the fitness community. Yeah. um, The personal development community. Um, Yeah. It is so, I think it is so intertwined in every area of life that it's become so normalized that we all think, oh, it's completely normal to live that way. It's completely normal to be rigid and be so restrictive with our eating. It's so normal to want to pursue weight loss. Uh, It's so normal to be dissatisfied and unhappy with our appearance and our bodies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We all think, oh yeah, that's just what you do. And when we actually, you know, peel down the layers of the onion and we actually look at that and we go, oh no, it's not really normal. And I know just from my own personal journey and of course from all the clients that I've worked with, uh, I'm yet to meet a woman who hasn't had her own experience, you know, her own unique version of that story, uh, which is so common. Yeah. And it's tricky too, because it does, like you're saying, it does kind of, it's kind of insidious. It hides in a lot of different forms and, you know, even if you appear really healthy and you're like still, you know, you're eating and it, and it seems really healthy, you can still be like looking in the mirror and really like not liking what you're seeing in many yeah. ways, right? You can kind of be obsessed about like that extra inch of, you know, skin or fat on your stomach or you're doing a yoga pose and it doesn't feel the same as it did the day before. And you're thinking, oh, why did I eat so much last night? And you're always like constantly berating yourself and in this pattern of self-criticism and like never good enough. And you're kind of setting yourself up for failure in a way because you're never just loving yourself as you are, right? You're just always striving for this perfection or this this state of being that doesn't really exist in many ways. Absolutely. And then all of a sudden we're 70 or 80 and we go, oh, yeah, I spent my life not liking my body and always looking for something better and completely missing the beauty and the magic of the body yeah. that I have in this moment and all that it allows me to do, you know. So I, a lot of our issue it comes or stems from the fact that we objectify ourselves and others. You know, we see ourselves as an object first. We see ourselves ourselves as a body first and as a person, as a human being second. And that is so deeply ingrained in all of us. It's all the messaging that we've been receiving from a very young age because we're not born like that. You know, we don't come into the world being aware of what our body looks to others. You know, 
yeah. toddlers or babies, they don't think, oh, my belly is so round or my thighs <laughs> are so chubby. They're not, no. they're, it's a total foreign, it doesn't even go in. Like it's com- no, it's completely <laughs> yeah. foreign. It's only yeah. when we start to be made aware from the outside world that, oh, yeah. your body looks a certain way to other people and maybe you should care about that. And that's yeah. when usually the problems start. Yeah. Like yeah. when I was offered a, a rhinoplasty when I was 12. <laughs> yeah. Because of, because of really? how my, my nose had hit puberty first <laughs> and the other children would insult me. You know, it's like, oh, the, mm. your nose touches the Coke can when you drink. It's like, yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> but I know you make, I know you, it's, it's, you, you know, you're sort of making fun of it or, you know, telling it as an anecdote, but events like that or experiences like that mm-hmm. as a child can be really traumatic and can really, yeah, can really make you think that, oh, I'm not okay the way I am. And I right. need to, you know, my nose needs to be like everybody else's in order for me to be okay and in order for me to be of worth and value. And, yeah. you know, th- this is the kind of stuff that we, yeah, receive all of the time through all the messaging and all the movies, you know, all the most of the movies that we see, you know, the main characters are thin and beautiful. You know, the fairy tale uh, animations that we see as kids, the princesses are thin and beautiful and the monsters are fat and ugly. You know, we, we just yeah. get that. You know, they, they all have the perfect face. They all have the perfect nose. There's no one yeah. looking, looking like the diversity that true humanity really represents. We don't get, we don't get presented that. There's a bit yeah. of that in like the Grimm's fairy tales. As, as well as like where children are read these stories about old fat ugly trolls and witches who are trying to kill us <laughs> yeah. and yet yeah. children are empowered to you know find a way to kill the troll or kill the witch which is which is nice um, <laughs> but it does leave you with a with a foreboding about the what inevitably happens to a human being which is they they age instead of you know looking at that through the lens of wisdom and joy and reverence it's a, something to be feared right and all the changes you know all the changes yeah. that are so natural and normal that happen throughout our lifetime to our bodies no one ever stays the same no one gets out of here you know yeah. unscarred so to speak mm-hmm. you yeah. know it, it'll happen to everybody and yet we're taught that that is a bad thing yeah. And, yeah. you know, we, we all live in the fear of that happening. You know, everyone is so afraid of, you know, women are so afraid to have a belly or have cellulite mm. or, you know, because of what we're being taught, what that means. You know, not, we're not going to be long. We're going to be bullied. We're going to be criticized. We're not going to be, you know, we don't find a partner. We won't be loved. We're not enough. Mm. So, of yeah. course, it's terrifying. So, of course, we want to fit in. That's yeah. why we're safe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting how I think, too, even these, I mean, a lot of these fears that you're speaking of are unconscious, right? They're not the things that we're necessarily thinking about, but they really push us into activities or patterns that may appear healthy, like waking up Mm -hmm. and doing a two-hour yoga practice, you feel really good about it. But if it's coming from a place where you're feeling like, if I don't do this, I'm going to lose, you know, yeah, value in some way, whether I'm going to gain weight, I'm going to lose strength, I'm going to lose flexibility, I'm not going to be able to do this posture anymore, or I'm not going to show up as enough in the world, or right, how am I going to keep progressing? You haven't made enough sacrifices for your... Yeah, there's like an interesting... (laughs) Maybe I'll get old, (laughs) you know, maybe... Maybe things won't like stay young and supple like they are right you now. Know, I like always a, say, a wasted absolutely, yeah. And I always say to my clients or you know anyone that I have a conversation mm-hmm. with, do you want to figure out whether your fitness or movement or workout routine, whatever you want to call it, is dysfunctional? Don't do it for a week and look what yeah. look at what comes up. Just don't yeah. do it for one week and be with all the emotions that come up and you're going to get a really good idea, right, of yeah. what's actually going on. And that's really, really uncomfortable for a lot of people. They can't do it. Yeah, I love mm. that experiment. I think that's so <laughs> good and so valuable because it's true. And I hear all the time too, like, I have to do my yoga practice to feel normal. I have to mm. do my practice to, you know, be balanced in my day. And to me, that's like 
I mean, that's an addiction. That's like you're just yeah. using that to placate or to self-soothe in some way or to not have to deal with like exactly what you're saying. All of those emotions, you just keep stuffing them down. It's the same as binge eating in a way or using yeah. any yeah. other kind of like numbing activity. Or dieting, right? right? Of, like restricting food. Yeah. yeah. Well, a lot of a, a lot of guys I, I, I interacted with in the in the executive business world would often say the same thing. Like, I didn't use cocaine to get high or t- right. to improve my production. <laughs> I used it to feel normal. Right. Yeah. And that's, I guess yeah. that's the thing. Like when your body sort of is used to a certain chemical release in the brain, whether that's coming from your practice or your workout, or you need those endorphins to... Um, you know, give you a certain effect or feeling. Yeah, that's it. You know, it's maybe it's a healthier habit in some ways, but it's still like you're still not going to those deeper levels or those deeper layers of what's really driving that Absolutely. pattern. You're kind of just slapping a Band-Aid on top of a deeper wound yeah. and you're just in that hamster wheel. It's like, yeah. And then we use, you know, oh, but it's my practice or it's spiritual or, you yeah. know, or it's healthy and we use that as a way to not actually – Oh, yeah, that's pretty dysfunctional. And maybe. But that's interesting. Maybe that's really what spiritual bypassing means is that you're spiritually bypassing fear. You're just, you're taking a right turn right away from uh, really encountering what you're completely terrified of, which is change and death and age. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like you're you're trying to alter reality as it is, or you're trying not to see reality as it is, rather than and trying control. to see reality as it is. Yeah, you're trying yeah, to control so th- and like manipulate con- or yeah, yeah. Because I think control is such a big one because you know, as we know, life yeah. is largely out of our control. But man, <laughs> yeah. I'll try to control <laughs> it, and so you doing doing like controlling food and con- and yeah. pers- like trying to control weight. You know, we yeah. can grasp that. And then if yeah. you let go of that, well, there's nothing else left. So that's deeply, yeah. deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. My weight is not in my control. Anything could happen. And people are yeah. terrified of that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's something that like a lot of people hit, you know, in middle age. And um, I was diagnosed recently with Hashimoto's. So, you know, hypothyroidism and is really challenging because my whole life I've been able to control my weight. I can, you know, exercise or control food or, you know, be able to lose weight, not like necessarily super easily, but easily enough. I know what works. But when you're dealing with like an autoimmune disorder or, you know, just like hormone imbalances or adrenal fatigue or like all of these things that also are associated with, you know, like autoimmune or even just middle age, you know, hitting perimenopause, um, you can't really control those things. They're totally out of your control. And so again, it's kind of like when you're, you know, when you're going through pregnancy, again, your body's totally out of your control and you have to just sort of like surrender and accept it. But this is, it's almost like a, it's kind of like a double whammy because you're like, but I'm not pregnant. (laughs) Right. 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 And so you have to like then I think it I mean, I hope it leads people to do the deeper work and really like face what they're going through. And I, you know, it can happen for other reasons, too, like surgeries or injuries or the death of a loved one. You know, all these things kind of bring us like really face to face with reality. Yeah. The reality of we can't control. We don't know what's around the corner. Yeah. And so, you know, I think the earlier as as people that we can do this body image work, the better yeah. off we are because it's not going to totally, you know, pull the rug out from under our feet when we do have yeah. a diagnosis, when we do fall pregnant, when we do have an injury and all of a sudden we can't move the same. Um, yeah. Because to deal with that plus that, you know, is a lot <laughs> harder. Whereas totally. if you go, okay, Yep, the, these are changes in my body, my self-worth, my sense yes. of value is not identified with the size of my body. I'm okay. I'm inherently okay no matter what happens with yeah. this piece because that's yeah. not all that I am that is a part of me, doesn't define me. Yeah. Then we can actually use that energy towards supporting our body in the healing and dealing with whatever yeah. it needs to deal with rather than freaking out about the weight gain as if that's the worst thing that can happen. 
you know it's, yeah you know so many women uh that are pregnant because i've worked with some yeah they freaking out because they have had lifelong struggles with body image then their right. body changes and instead yeah. of being in the you know the excitement of growing a human they're terrified yeah, yeah. and they spend that time in fear yeah yeah it is sad it is it's it's really challenging yeah and it it definitely um makes me think of another thing that I'm sure you work with clients on, which is part of the, you know, positive body image and, and the deeper work around, you know, self-worth and self-love and, and true self-acceptance um, and not finding your worthiness and your achievements or your, your weight mm. or, you know, all the things. Um, but it's really difficult to shift those things if you're not actually doing that deeper work and really um, loving yourself, right? Absolutely. You have to <laughs> love Absolutely. the way you are and love your body and feel grateful for it and like actually be in love with your life rather than just resisting it because that just kind of perpetuates the the problem too, right? Right. And I mean, that's so easily said, you know, if, if you yeah. had a best friend who called you every single day and said, you know, I would love you more if you were smaller and call you again the next day, you know, I would love you more if you had a flatter stomach. And then, and then that happens for like 30 years. And then on and the next day after 30 years, the friend calls you and said, oh, just forget what I said. I really love you the way you are. You go like, what? I don't believe you. I've just yeah. Amazing. Right? So we, we can't accept, expect that, yeah. you know, because we've been telling ourselves the same old tape, the same old mm -hmm. message that yeah. all of a sudden we go, oh yeah, I love my body. It's highly unrealistic, you know, but yeah. we can maybe come to a place of, oh, I can appreciate yeah. what my body allows me to do I can find gratitude for being able to walk or being able to sit or being able to do yoga or being able to talk yeah. with my voice you know we can connect into those parts rather than going standing in front of the mirror and going yeah I love my stomach which is totally not <laughs> right like not yeah, believable totally because no. yeah totally foreign and you know we I always say we probably have a preference of what we would like our body to look like, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we, that from our messaging, you know, if we were born into another culture where bigger bodies were considered beautiful, then we wouldn't yeah. be dealing with this. But we were born into this culture where it was, you know, thin equals beautiful and that's what we yeah. all strive for because we have this belief, this really deep-seated belief that's, that thin is more beautiful than bigger bodies. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, we can go, we can acknowledge, yeah, my preference would be, to have no cellulite, to have a flat stomach, you know, to have bigger boobs, whatever it might be. And to honor that and go, yeah, that's my preference. And this is what my body is. So the preference can still be there and go, yeah, and this is what my body, this is what I've got. This is what I've got to work with right now in this moment, in this very moment, not in six months time when I've done the program and I've lost the weight apparently, but yeah. right now. And then to go, okay, I know that if I keep, attaching to the preference there is only more pain there there is only more disappointment there's only more struggling struggle and more suffering i can accept that that's my preference and i can accept that this is what i've got and then we can find peace right it is such yeah. a, a much more peaceful experience to live from that place but we don't have to deny our preference we can acknowledge yeah. that because there's no point in just pushing it away and pretending, oh, no, no, I don't want to look like a supermodel, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I don't want to look like Ken, right? So, yeah. I really did want to look like Ken when I saw him. Especially <laughs> the blonde hair, right? <laughs> yeah, I was. it was deeply confronting to see his, his – he had worked on his pecs a great deal, you could tell, and I was like, oh. <laughs> That's really, that's really kind of where I want to be. Um, I'm interested <laughs> you, in how some, how you set up an appointment, you know, someone hears about you, they call you and then they, you find out before the meeting that they present with um, Hashimoto's disease, which is extremely common. One out of five women get Hashimoto's disease because of, I guess, a mixture of, of hustle culture and <laughs> caffeine. And then, um, and eating genetics. disorders and genetics. And then they, uh, they're perimenopausal, they're early 40s, and they, and, you, and they walk into your room. What can they expect to happen in, in a meeting with you? 
they sit down on a couch or on a on like a medical <laughs> in a medical tent. What happens next? No, I, I actually have a dome. No, I'm joking. Oh, you have a <laughs> dome. You have you have like a like one of those period huts in your backyard. Yeah. That would actually be camp. really nice. Mm. No, actually, everything happens online. So in the famous Zoom oh. room, yeah, the Zoom room oh. in the Zoom room, yeah. Um, just because I have people from all over the world, and mm. it's just so much easier. Uh, yeah. So that's that's the scope that we work together, and then you know I. I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a naturopath. So I don't prescribe any, you know, specific supplement routine or don't do blood tests with people. My role is really addressing the relationship with food and with their bodies. And so it can be a beautiful addition, you know, to work with your medical team to support you if you've had a diagnosis and to also look at, okay, where, you know, where am I at in terms of relationship with food and my body? Maybe it's the first time that I'm actually asking myself that question. You know, what do I want my relationship with food and body to look like? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I come in and I say, well, um, I can't eat soy anymore because it says I'm allergic <laughs> and I can't eat wheat and I'm vegetarian and I'm going to, I'm going to shoot myself in the head. I, <laughs> what do I I say that, and then what? What is the res- what? What do you say in response? Like what well, happens next? <laughs> Obviously, um, there is so much more to that. There is so much more to I can't eat this, and you know I'm restricted now in this way. There is so much more to that, and we look <sighs> at okay, what's your what is your history? Is there a history of eating disorders, for example? I think a question that every nutritionist. Every uh, health practitioner needs to ask their patient because so many women have that history. And when we put restriction in place, it can trigger, uh, mm. you know, that that maybe the eating disorder that was never fully treated or healed, and that can bring that up again. So I think it's really important to be aware of that. And then, mm. of course, we look at okay, what is your preference in terms of food? Are you aware of? your body when you're eating food are you eating from a place of rules that you've been receiving for all of your life maybe from the community that you've been spending time with like the yoga community or wherever it might be um so are you eating from the place of those rules that you've been given or are you eating from a place of body wisdom because they're two very different things Mm -hmm. and so my job is with clients to connect them back in their body because we all have a lot of noise up here Again, from yeah. all everything that we've been reading and hearing in podcasts and the studies and, yeah. and also everybody telling you something different. So there's a lot of noise and it doesn't make any sense. So that's kind of yeah. what we're operating from. Whereas our body, you know, we gave that example when we come into the world. Kids, yeah. they've never read a diet book. They somehow know exactly what to eat and how much at what time. They're like, oh, I'm hungry. And then they might be eating like carrots for one week, you know, when they're toddlers. Yeah. It's like just carrots. And the parents like, oh, my God, what if she never eats broccoli again? And then next week's like, all oh, broccoli, right? So yeah. kids – And my impression is like – in yeah. my impression, kids are quite chunky and over and fat. They're kind <laughs> They're of – They're supposed to be The babies chubby. are really fat. Is yeah, because they have to build all their body. I want to see a more ripped baby. Like, <laughs> right. right. Like I often ask people, so, you know, would you want to – like if you saw a baby or if you saw an animal – would you want to starve it in order to make it look more appealing? Oh, right? Hell. Right. It's oh, confronting. It's confronting. Yeah, but but yeah. this is what we do to ourselves. Yeah. 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 yeah but, true. So just a little side note. But then when it comes to food, you know, we work on figuring out, okay, what is my body's wisdom in terms of food? How does food mm-hmm. land in my body? Can I open up a little bit? And, you know, have I been very rigid with the foods that I've allowed in? Do I always go to the same aisle in the supermarket? Do I always go to the same stall at the farmer's market? Can I maybe pick out a vegetable I haven't eaten in 10 years? Can I maybe mm-hmm. go down another aisle and eat something processed, right? right. Like, and just <laughs> notice, oh, am I actually enjoying that? Oh, no, that didn't feel so good. Right. Yeah. I was talking to a client the other day and she, we're just um, working on her softening her rules around sugar right because i mean sugar is like you know the killer and everyone is terrified of it it basically like ruins your life so people run around with this crazy fear and stress around sugar 
Yeah. So she walked past a lemonade stand and she's like, ooh, I haven't had a lemonade. I haven't allowed myself to have a lemonade in 20 years. I used to love lemonade as a kid. And yeah. she was so proud of herself because she bought a lemonade. It was a really big deal for her. And yeah. Oh, my God, I bought this. This is so good. She had maybe three sips and she realized, oh, no, it doesn't do it for me. And then she mm. left it. But that was her body's wisdom. And that didn't come from a place of, oh, my God, all this sugar. It came from a genuine place of, I don't actually like this. And that is yeah. the difference, you know, when we're eating from that place rather than when we're eating from a rule. And the only way to figure that out is to give ourselves full unconditional permission to eat all foods. Yeah. yeah. And then play mm. around with that. But the problem is that we make every bite mean so much. You know, it's like life or death. Oh, my God, I've eaten one cookie. Oh, my God, I've ruined it. You know, yeah. it's like we and then just all hell breaks loose because we've eaten something forbidden. Right. We can approach our food behavior as an experience. Like, ooh, I ate this. And with curiosity, oh, okay, that didn't feel so good today. I wonder what's going on with that. I might try again tomorrow and eat a little less. Or I might try again at a different time of the day. Or, you know, I might try again this food in combination with something else and see how that feels. Mm -hmm. Rather than this, I have to perfect it. Yeah, to be perfect at it, and it's the only way I can do it. And then, as mm -hmm. soon as we don't make do it perfect again, it's just the end of the world. And yeah. that is the very black and white thinking. Same as with the exercise, you know, I have to yeah. do it perfect. There's such a rigidity in it. There is no softness, no flexibility, which is all part yeah. of also being a woman. You know, we are incredibly yeah. fluid, intuitive beings that have a lot of innate wisdom that yeah. we, you know have completely disconnected from yeah so it is in essence really yeah a journey back to that part and honoring mm -hmm. that and trusting that because so many of us have completely lost trust in our bodies and trusting ourselves with food yeah I love that I think there's something to that too when you're really operating from a place of restriction and it's similar again to the you know exercising is like you have to do the exercise or you're worried about what will happen like oh I won't do it and then I'll just completely like never do it again <laughs> or something like there's some I'll fear end up on there the couch eating potato chips and be right? the size of a house worst yeah. case scenario always yeah, yeah mm -hmm. like the next day <laughs> yeah the next right. day that's it <laughs> <laughs> but but in the same with foods like if I have this then I'm gonna like I'm gonna be out of control I'm gonna just eat like the whole box of cookies and having that kind of fear or that kind of restriction that kind of all or nothing black and white you know rigidity to our approach I think often then perpetuates that binging cycle because your Absolutely. body doesn't trust yourself anymore. And it's like, oh my gosh, she's never going to feed me sugar again. I better get it all in now because she's never going to allow me to eat another cookie after this. So right. instead and, of eating one, you eat 20. Yeah. And to add to that, you know, when we have this, you know, this is the, this is the classical restrict binge cycle. You know, yeah. we, we told ourselves, okay, I'm never eating sugar again. And then, you know, at some point you're going to get a craving for sugar. And yeah. so, you know, maybe after an hour, maybe after, you know, two hours, maybe after a week, you're going to give in to the craving and you're going to eat the sugar thing. And as yeah. soon as you eat it, you feel so guilty. You feel so ashamed. You're like, oh, my God, I've mm -hmm. broken the rule. What is wrong with me? I'm such yeah. a loser. I can't believe I'm doing this again. You feel yeah. really bad about yourself. What we do in that moment to not feel bad about ourselves, so to rectify that feeling, we tell ourselves, oh, but it's okay. It's the last time I'm eating it. It's the last time in my life. Oh, my God. I did this all the time. It's the last time in my life forever. Like, I'm never going to eat sugar again. Never again. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is the last time. So now I might as well go for it because, yeah. like, this is my last supper. You yeah. know, all the chocolate, all the brownies, all the ice cream, whatever. Yeah. Like, get it all yeah. in because this is my last opportunity. And, and then we feel even the, worse, you know. Yeah. yeah. And then we feel <laughs> even worse about ourselves and we're like, yeah, great. Like, sugar-free forever. Like, for the rest of my life. Until... Yeah. You know, next day, next Monday, next month, three yeah. months later, we again get a craving and it all starts all over again. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's just a self-fulfilling oh. prophecy. Yeah. I recognize that cycle. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it, it's true addiction. It really is a true addiction because, because you're not able to, again, like really do some of that deeper work or that 
really look at like, what's that pattern coming from, right? Like where is even the craving for sugar coming from? And what's that really about? Because it's not really about the sugar. It's about like how you're treating yourself around that thing. Possibly, possibly. Yeah. But, you know, it's also, I mean, sugar has been so demonized when, you know, yeah. I grew up in a <laughs> European culture where it's completely normal to have dessert with every after yes. every meal. Completely normal. No big deal. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I was married to a French person for a long time. Sweets are such a normal thing every day. No one binges. Yeah. I mean, just generally speaking. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it, we also have all the taste buds in our, on our tongue and yeah. it can just be as simple as to complete a meal to satisfy all of our taste buds. We have something sweet as part of our meal to kind yeah. of complete it. And there is nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But a lot of the problems happen from us making it wrong. Again, what I was just talking about, we feel so guilty. Yeah. Oh my God, we shouldn't do it. It's the worst yeah. thing I could do for my health. And that's yeah. when we perpetuate those behaviors, the feelings yeah. out of control. And of yeah. course, then we also need to look at, you know, am I leaning on these foods for emotional support because yeah. I'm dissatisfied, I'm feeling lonely, I'm feeling bored, and I'm feeling good because, yeah. you know, we eat a chemical to feel reaction good. actually happening right. when you eat the well, sugar. <laughs> so you know, we are we are um, genetically primed, so to speak, and yeah. set up to receive pleasure and and a comfort mm-hmm. feeling from food you know when we're as babies you know we cry mama mama picks us up we get the breast or the bottle and we get yeah. love we get care we get safety you know so it's actually a completely normal response when we upset in some way shape or form to reach for food it's very smart you know we have an instant way to feel better and there's nothing wrong with that it's mm-hmm. just that it's not always satisfying because you know, if we're feeling lonely and we reach to food, sure, that might kind of tide us over in the moment, but it doesn't fulfill that underlying need. And that's what needs to be addressed. So I never say, you know, instead of eating, because then that's, again, restriction, which never yeah. leads anywhere good. But we want to go, mm-hmm. okay, you can eat the thing. And what would be something that actually feels really good to you? Yeah. A cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> It's an excellent appetite suppressant. <laughs> what the French do is they smoke cigarettes and then they drink coffee and have sweets and croissants and everything. Wine is in, and cheese. Everything and... is in perfect balance. It's true. The ideal. We should all move to France. The ideal French skinny bitch. It's interesting. Mm. I noticed that I was in um, Paris visiting some friends for my 30th birthday and they um, brought out like. I don't know, maybe it was six different cakes, you know, and they're like those little petite, like Mm -hmm. kind of taster cakes. Petite gâteau. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) And I was just so amazed, like watching um, this friend who's, you know, born and raised and very French. And he would just have like a little taste (laughs) and then (laughs) move on. How is that possible? Yeah, Yeah. really. Especially at that time in my life, I was like, oh my gosh, how do you just like, yeah. Only have one little taste and feel right. satisfied. You know, and you know why? Because she knows she can have it any time. Yeah. It's not it's yeah. not the only opportunity. She's like, oh my God, there's the cakes. I'll never have this opportunity again. So I'm gonna just like go for it. She knows yeah. Like, yeah, I can buy another one tomorrow if I want to. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. Then, it, then it becomes not the question of am I allowed to eat it? This is such a powerful shift. Am I allowed to eat this food? And we shift to now that I know I can have anything I want to eat, do I want this food right now? Completely yeah. different. Because then we take the power back. Then it's not a rule anymore of restriction. Then it's freedom. And mm-hmm. we have the autonomy to decide, okay, now that I know all foods are available, I can have cake every single day until the day I die, do I want cake right now? And the body might yeah. say, no, not really. Yeah. It's, mm. compl- it's a total game changer. Yeah. yeah, that's also a good experiment. <laughs> Just right. feed like your desires for a week and then notice what shows up at the well, end. If you say, if you say just for a week, it's again a restriction. I guess. Yeah, that's true. Just, that's true. It has to be forever, right? Forever. It has to be it has to be without guilt. That's so yeah. important. And that is what most people struggle with. Yeah, Yeah, that guilt part's really challenging. And we I know so many yoga practitioners feel this too. They don't do their practice, they feel guilty. Mm -hmm. And again, it's this really abusive cycle. It's like a a cycle of self-abuse. And you probably, I mean, I'm sure there's people who do Pilates that feel the same way. Like, you know, if they don't do their Pilates every day, 
then they're like berating themselves around, oh, I didn't do my workout or I didn't, you know, show up the way I wanted to today. And yeah, and it's just like, it's really interesting how all of these little habits and things and especially food, because it's such a part of our life, um, show the like how we're treating ourselves at a deeper kind of level. And for sure, it's like how we how we are with food is how we are everywhere else in our, in our lives. Yeah. It's an incredible indicator of yeah. our personality and our tendencies. Yeah. You know, this, this is reminding me of a conversation I had with my mom when I was like 12 or 13. We were at a, we were at a out in public at a restaurant somewhere and, and she just kind of said something quite revealing. And she, she said, you know, I've never understood how these, you know, very buxom uh, curvy women, actually feel sexy and I was like what and and she said yeah because I always felt my cutest when I was just super thin of course my mother suffered from anorexia she was like 80 pounds I think when she was pregnant with me and she said I always felt my cutest when I was super super thin and I said well I mean maybe mom like you you when you came of age being small was how you identified as being cute. Whereas for like a very curvy woman, you know, when she, you know, developed her curves, then she suddenly identified as being cute was when her curves were, were there. Maybe so that's a very different way of, of thinking about the body. And you can see in other cultures where, you know, uh, uh, curvier girls are much highly, more highly, you know, uh, revered. Um, than others and it, it just it just then reminded me of the first time i ever flew lufthansa and these kind of giant viking women were working lufthansa as stewardesses and i thought my god i'm in heaven finally this is <laughs> this is valhalla this is the airline i was always meant to fly and like it's just a completely it's a complete because sh- you 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 don't get that size by starving yourself, do you? No, but it's also yeah. like you're, I think what you're bringing up is that it's it's reinforced by the culture that we're in too, yeah, yeah, yeah. these preferences. And, yeah. And they're just, but it's also reinforced at, from a young age, like in Absolutely. what we're looking at. And, and, you know, we've seen that even in India when we started going to India in the early 2000. 2000s you know, all of the women on TV were quite curvy and voluptuous and voluptuous, (laughs) voluptuous, and and, uh, you know, like very, this very different ideal. And the more that Western influences and culture Mm. and cinema and um, media have filtered, you know, through the internet, through all of the ways, you know, movies and all of the things into that culture, you saw the Bollywood, you know, girls shift, shift from these very, you know, curvy, uh, larger bodied women to thinner, 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 more Western. You saw the same thing with K-pop in Korea. Is that uh, the ideal Korean woman went from a kind of larger head Mm. to a they started doing skull shaving as a um, as kind of a very a very popular uh, cosmetic surgery to make their heads look tiny and small yeah like wow yeah but there must be something around even like you're saying like I feel like there's also a bit of a rejection of the feminine in this yes ideal for thinness this ideal for you know perfection and yeah i don't know like well i think you know i mean if if we go there it's like if we're looking at the patriarchy you know yeah it's it's a man's way of being in the world we were talking about it just before about women being highly intuitive yeah fluid beings with a lot of that innate wisdom yeah soft there you know whereas the the masculine way is okay there's a goal we're going to reach the goal there's a right or wrong it's you got to be tough you got to push through that's not a women's way and so i think for women part of this is also trying to fit in with that way of being in society and being in the world and it's like okay i have to be like that in order to make it whatever that means Mm, but in order to fit in and be successful i have to let go of these 
the the essence of what I am basically to fit in more and that also includes shaping my body more like a man's body less Mm -hmm. fat more mass muscles more lean you know Mm -hmm. and so yeah we've totally denied the the nature of having more curves having wider hips having rounder bellies you know having round bellies is completely normal and yet everyone wants flat stomachs you know (laughs) yeah yeah and it's what you I see think, on television, that's for sure. <laughs> absolutely. And not just on television. I mean, you walk through a shopping yeah. mall, you see them that's right. in the windows. The models, you know. yeah. Absolutely. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we get it. We, we, mm. It's in our faces all the time. We're all brainwashed yeah. to think that's what we want. Yeah. And again, babies don't think that. No. Babies no. don't think they want a flat stomach. They're completely unaware. No, they so. don't we got to remember, oh, yeah, I wasn't born like that. This isn't coming from inside of me. It's coming from outside of me. And then we get to make a choice. With that awareness, with that knowledge, we get to decide, okay, do I want to live by those standards? And am I prepared to pay the price for pursuing that ideal? Yeah. Because there's a big price to pay, you know, for, you know, I, I was recently working with a woman who'd been dieting for 50 years. Yeah. From when she was 10, her mom took her to Weight Watchers when she was in a perfect body as a 10 year old. Wow. Because wow. of her mom's issues, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. her mom projected her stuff onto her daughter, looking yeah. at her daughter through the body dysmorphic lens, thinking her body, yeah. her daughter was overweight. And yeah. then 50 years later, my client's like, oh, I actually don't want to live like this anymore. I'm kind of yeah. done here. You, you may want to yeah. edit this part out, but I, I just want to say that my frustration with my. Um, with my with my um, alternate per, uh, father figure, how frustrated he was when our child got a little plump at around ten, and he just kind of just spiraled out. And like we've got to control his weight, we've got to talk to him about what he's eating. He's got to completely re you know change everything. He's got to restrict this. He's eating too much sodium, and so the, our kid was coming home and was like, you know, how much sodium is in this macaroni and cheese? I was like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> just eat the fucking thing, please. Eat something. You know, I just want you to fucking eat some. And it was just like, I th- wow, he's um, I just like watching like he might very well be just like right now programming an eating disorder into our child. <laughs> yeah. 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 You got to be careful. You got to be so careful. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Because we, <clears throat> yeah, we, that, that, that is so true. I mean, most of the people that I work with, it started in their childhood, usually right. from their parents, what yeah. they yeah. remember, what they were being told. Again, yeah. it, it's coming back to something is happening with your body. And it's not okay. You are not okay the way you are. You, you know, right. you got to change something about this. Yeah. And that is really hard at that age to feel like, oh, okay, I'm only going to be okay if I'm in a different body. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, we are, we are built, we are implanting this low self worth, you know, from the get go, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're completely ignoring body diversity as well. It's like, yeah. It's like, oh, so all dog breeds are supposed to look like greyhounds. Right. You yeah. know, what yeah. about the French bulldogs? What about a boxer <laughs> or what about a German shepherd? Right. Yeah. If, if we were to get it down to a weight of a greyhound, we would starve it. So, you know, yeah. humans also come in all ranges of, you know, body shapes and sizes, which is so much more determined not by what we're eating and how we're moving but by genetics by you know our circumstances the countries that we live in by our financial circumstances our our living arrangements our stress levels our physical challenges whatever that might be you know health challenges so many aspects come into determining our weight not just what we eat and how we move and our bodies know what weight they want to be at at any different mm. at any stages of our lives and if we yeah. could just trust it like women not all women but some women gain weight as they get older yeah hey maybe there is a point to that yeah. maybe they're meant to carry more weight because it, yeah. it, it uh, helps with hormone regulation yeah right and yeah. i mean there are even studies that show that that people in the you know overweight category have longer life expectancy than people that aren't so maybe Mm -hmm. there's a you know maybe gaining weight is actually 
a healthy thing mm-hmm. yeah. for us. Yeah. It's just that it's not our ideal weight. It's our body's ideal weight because clearly our body is getting us to that point. But it's not what we want. Again, it's come back to that preference. Going, okay, do I want to yeah. fight that? Or can yeah. I just go, okay, this is my preference and this is what I've got. Can I make my right. peace with that and actually enjoy my life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rather than continue this war with myself that I've been on for my yeah. for for as long as I can remember. Yeah. 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 But that's that's super that's super helpful. If, so I'm, I'm. Let's say that I'm. I'm. We're finishing up our Zoom call, and we're. <laughs> I'm feeling a bit better about understanding, you know, what's motivating some of my choices and preferences. Mm. What is What is my next step with you now? Do Do I make another appointment? So do generally, I, do yeah. I starve myself now? <laughs> what do I do next? <laughs> so I don't actually offer one-off sessions because I find that highly ineffective because. Uh, you know, like we said, for most people, uh, I don't think I've ever worked with anyone where it's been less than 10 years that they've struggled with this. It's not going to go yeah. away in one session. Um, mm. So I generally work with people in a three months container so we yeah. can address everything. You know, these beliefs about weight, about health, about food, about mm. ourselves, it's such deep work when we start to uncover it. Uh, mm. So much comes up when people move away from food restriction that um you know it's uh it's not uh, to me i i've i've realized it doesn't work to just have a session here and there because we eat every day we're in our bodies every day so there are potential triggers landmines every day so you know we have calls but we also have daily check-ins to see how you're going if someone is freaking out about something like you know they all of a sudden, you know, ate a chocolate bar and and I'm not even kidding, they're freaking out about it. Yeah. Uh, so then they can reach out and we can just jump on a call right there and then and go, okay, let's talk through this. Like what is actually coming up? What is this emotion? Because it's not, not about the chocolate bar. Or, you know, it might be, oh, my God, I've just caught my reflection in a mirror and or, you know, in a shopping window and I feel so fat and I'm, I'm freaking out right now. You know, these are really real emotions where normally when that happens when we you know catch when we have that triggering moment we will go okay i'm gonna go on a diet okay i'm gonna just google like what's the quickest way to lose weight we go straight back onto slapping the band-aid on top so in those moments we can then go oh this is gold because what's coming up right now is really what's what is wanting wanting to be seen and addressed so it's just a much more effective way to move through that rather than having a call here and there Mm. Yeah, I could totally. Uh, well, well I, I just want to. I want to follow that up. So, that, so is this? Uh, are we? Are we having a call every day? How do you? How do you structure? Is this three months are structured, or are we just sort of intuitively looking at what happened every day uh, as I approached my choices? So obviously, everybody's different. You know, everybody's coming at it with different needs. Some people need more contact, like as in more hands-on contact and support. Uh, some people need less so you know we have a minimum uh, minimum amount of calls every month and then if there we also have sos calls so if like i said if there's a triggering moment we can just jump on a call right there and then there's text support so we can just you know chat it out if needed as well so it's really mm-hmm. individual um so it's hard to say you know there there isn't a structure in you know you have text support for one hour every week or anything like that there isn't really a limit it's really just very much what you need Mm. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and I think it I mean I think what you're saying is so um important and helpful because it is it does take a long time to repattern these deep deep conditions that we have and even um you know one of my very close friends is a health coach and so she's been like working with me you know through this autoimmune disorder and She's like, you have to try and have your protein smoothie before 10 a.m. And every day I'm like, no, I don't want to. Why is <laughs> but that? It's not, because it's just like a pattern, right? It's just a condition that that I have of like fasting all morning. Uh, but it's not it's necessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not necessarily it's supportive, right? No. <laughs> 
No, definitely not for women. Yeah. No. Oh God, yeah. Whole another episode. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, the the work that I've had to undo for intermittent fasting is just out there. Yeah. Yeah, and I think actually that a lot of women, because especially in our yoga community, intermittent fasting is. I mean, it's kind of like the thing that everyone it's, does. You don't eat. It's the lifestyle. It is the lifestyle. Yeah, you, you get up early, you do at, your yoga practice, you stop eating early, you don't eat till later. Well, you right? don't eat till lunch, <laughs> lunch. And then that's your last meal until next lunch. Yeah, and they always say like one meal a day a yogi, <laughs> two yeah, meals yeah. a day a bogey. Three meals a day to the graveyard. To the grave, yeah. you know. <laughs> oh, right. When actually you're starving yourself and putting your right? body in a famine mode and putting it under a huge amount of stress, especially yeah. as women, driving yeah. your adrenaline, cortisol. Oh, and, and then so, getting all like a Hashimoto's disease. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. As a little side effect, just for fun. <laughs> just yeah. for fun, yeah. Yeah. So it, I mean, and it takes, it takes like, it takes that regular check-in and, and it takes support, I think, to change these behaviors it and really habits. Does. Because, because yeah, especially with the intermittent fasting, you know, you become so used to the empty feeling. It's almost like this addiction. Yeah. Oh, I feel empty, yeah. you know, I feel so Light. Good. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm surrounding myself, but it feels mm. good, you know? Uh, and yeah. so then when we introduce eating more food, yeah, it feels wrong. Yeah. It does. I'm yeah. way too much. <laughs> it feels not, and it's abnormal. I feel bloated. When you just, it's like a normal feeling of having food in your stomach. But because yeah. you're not used to it, it feels so foreign. And it can, again, really bring up a lot of anxiety, you know, yeah. and we freak out about it. And we want to go back yeah. to the old safe ways because at least that's what we know. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. And even just like changing the time that you're eating, right? Like eating yeah. earlier or or like just also eating when you're hungry instead of going through that ignoring whole cycle. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like ignoring it. Like I can hang on for another hour. I can yeah. That's right. Hang on. Am I allowed to eat? I mean, it's wild, isn't it? That we need yeah. we check the time. Oh no, I can't eat yet. Like says freaking who, you know? Mm. It's like yeah. your body going, I'm freaking hungry I, I, I need yeah. calories like I'm dying yeah. over here no and then we feel no. so proud of ourselves like yeah yeah right you know I mean, yeah intermittent fasting is going to be one of the most disordered behaviors out there yeah Jesus Christ <laughs> it's it's a very it's an interesting like emotional well, cycle exactly like you're yeah. describing and Maybe, it, yeah. you have to kind of unwind it and it takes it's I think really a long time, especially if you've been doing it for a while. You really do sure. need to stop worshiping, um, you know, an emaciated Jesus Christ and start worshiping a, a Venus of Willendorf, and that would be that'd be much better for all. Or of a us. big happy Buddha. A big happy Buddha. A big balanced, happy Buddha. That's it. A balanced That's it. Buddha. Not like yeah. nothing against the uh, Christians. Um, those of you who are listening to the show, forgive me. I am an apostate. I. I've had my moments. Apologies. <laughs> but I, I just want to thank you so much for for being on the show and, and helping us. Uh, I think <laughs> this is the problem of the age. It is. Uh, for the socioeconomic group of the uh, um, yoga practitioner in modern life. But also the health and wellness industry. I mean, that. I think this is like... Same person. It's a, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a big too. thing. The, the fitness, fitness industry, industry yeah. it's... It's so, you know, we so identified skinny with healthy. Oh, my God. My, my, and so if you're not skinny, you're not healthy, right? Correct. It's like, what? My kid came to me a couple months ago and said, Dad, um, what is a, how do I decrease my BMO? Oh, yeah. BMI. Body BMI. BMI. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my fucking Jesus. <laughs> And I was, I was like, okay, well, let's have this conversation now. We're going to have a whole conversation about cultural identification with, with, with weight loss and body shape and body image. And BMI in and of itself is not an indicator of health. So I don't know if no. you did some research into where BMI actually stems from. Maybe have a Google. Mm-hmm. What, where, who actually developed the BMI? And it's mm-hmm. just like basically just scrap it. It's useless. It doesn't say Mm -hmm. anything about someone's health. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's highly misleading and it's putting people into categories such as obese. um, Right. It just causes so much damage. So, yeah, yeah, there's still so much education that really needs to be made available, especially now for the younger generations, you know. 
Yeah. And I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's great if parents are informed to then pass that on so that, you know, they don't have to struggle for 30, 40 or 50 years. Like, you know, people mm. like I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. You know, if my if my parents, when I developed anorexia as a teenager, if my parents had been informed, it wouldn't yeah. have taken this long. You know, they didn't know. Um, I'm obviously yeah. now blaming them, but uh, you know, it's so helpful when our primary caretakers are. Uh, they know what's going yeah. on, and they know how yeah. to hold that and how to support. It's so valuable. That's yeah. how we change. Yeah. 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 And I think mm. talking about it too is really helpful and, and like getting support and talking about it with someone is also helpful because it's Absolutely. one of those topics we don't talk about. No, no one says, ashamed. I mean, no. yeah. And, and it's also not even like politically correct anymore to say, oh, I'm not happy with my weight or I want to change my body or, right. It's like, you can't even say that. And so now we can't talk about it in either direction. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's so important as well that we we get and hear that pretty much every person on the planet, I wouldn't say maybe 96% of people are having the same thoughts as you. Yeah. That, you know, for me, I always thought, oh, my God, I'm so, I, it's all me. Like, I'm, I never shared anything. You know, I was a Pilates teacher. No. I had to, this image to uphold of the healthy person who was doing celery juice and who was working out and who had a flat flat stomach and you yeah. know I couldn't tell them yeah I'm, I'm binging eating three cakes every weekend you know I, I couldn't <laughs> say that or no, you know that sure. I was you know super unhappy and feeling so lonely and that I couldn't sleep at night because I was so hungry you know I, right. I, I didn't I didn't tell anyone that because I thought well they're going to think I'm a freak and then yeah, when I discovered you know, the, the world of intuitive eating, I was like, oh, my God, there's thousands of women who speak my language. They were describing yeah. my struggle, and it was such right. a relief. So I think yeah. the more we can just, yeah, open yeah. the doors, the yeah. more other women will feel heard and understood and also safe to speak up and seek support because it's so important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah beautiful. Thank well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing Thanks your wisdom with us today. Mm. Yeah, it was yeah, super really, fun. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it was great. Thanks. Thank yeah. you both. Beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Standing in eternity's shadow, watching the breaking waves, there's a hard wind and the soil.